So you might remember, on Family Day at Tri-Valley, Steve Martin used to always show a Disney clip as an illustration for his sermon. He'd show three or four minutes of Beauty and the Beast or Toy Story or something like that. And then there was always this audible sound whenever the clip got shut off. Aww, Aww. come on, Steve, don't stop the movie. Show the rest of it. We know this movie. We love this movie. And they were sad when they only got to see one little clip of it. Well, I might get the same reaction this morning when we read John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. It's only a clip of what happens to be one of the best stories in the whole New Testament. The whole story in John chapter 9 is about Jesus healing a blind man and then the controversy that ensues. How did he heal you? I don't know. Well, who's the man who healed you? Well, he's the guy who healed me. Explain yourself. The Pharisees are confounded by what happened and they're frustrated by the man's simple explanation. It's a story about the eyes of the blind being opened and the eyes of the Pharisees remaining blind to what God was doing through Jesus. The richness of this story and then Jesus' teaching that follows carries on into chapter 10. It's a fantastic story. But since our goal in this series is simply to observe Jesus' interactions with people and then ask ourselves, how can we treat people the way Jesus did? Today we're just going to look at that healing part. Oh, I know, I know. But there's plenty that we can learn from just this little clip. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. The first thing we see in this encounter is that Jesus corrects a misunderstanding so that the kingdom can break through. The disciples see a blind man and they assume that his blindness was some kind of punishment for sin in his life. Or if he was born blind, then maybe the sin of his parents. This was a common belief in the ancient world. It was a way for people to reconcile the belief in a loving and all-powerful God with the reality that there is pain and suffering present in the world. It makes sense if you think about it. If you tell yourself that every sick person's illness is some consequence of an unknown sin that they brought on themselves, then you don't have to explain what this supposedly all-powerful and loving God is, what he's up to in the midst of sickness and suffering. But Jesus essentially tells them, that's not how it works. While there certainly can be harmful and lasting consequences from sin, this man's blindness is not God's punishment for some wrongdoing in his life. People today still struggle with how to reconcile a good and powerful God with all the ills that they see in the world. And I gotta tell you, there's stacks of books addressing this issue that I'm definitely not gonna get into very deep today. But I'll give you my Steve Martin Disney clip-sized explanation for it. Aww. God gives humans freedom whether or not to live under his kingship. Genuine love doesn't force itself on others. A lot of the suffering in the world is people choosing to live outside of God's will for his creation. But as for things that aren't related to people's choices, like blindness or some illnesses, sin and death are running rampant in God's good creation, and God is working toward eliminating them entirely 
and restoring all of humanity and all of creation to himself. And one major step in this process of conquering sin and death once and for all is Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross. And remember, like we said before, these healings, these miracles that we see in John are signs. They're previewing God's restored kingdom. It's the peace of heaven that's breaking into the here and now. And so, in this encounter, Jesus replaces their skewed theology by pointing out an opportunity. And he said, this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says something similar at the tomb of Lazarus in John chapter 11. This sickness is not going to end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son might be glorified through it. Instead of figuring out how this blind man props up your flawed theology about how God works, see this as an opportunity for the kingdom to break through. That's a good reminder for us as we treat people the way Jesus did. Don't just correct a misunderstanding, but replace it with an opportunity for God's kingdom to break through. Correcting a misunderstanding is an important thing for Jesus' followers to do, especially when there's an opportunity. But the other side of it is you don't have to spend very long on social media to see that people don't need much motivation to do more correcting. In fact, there's so much I'm right and you're wrong on social media right now that I've had a lot of my friends tell me recently that they're just going to shut it off for a while. I, mean, I need a break from social media because all I see is a bunch of fruitless shouting. So the second part is really important for us to emphasize. The part that says, so that the kingdom can break through. There are going to be ways to correct a misunderstanding and still maintain the relationship, not alienate the person you're talking to. That's how God's kingdom is going to break through. I know some people who do this really well. Sometimes you'll hear somebody talk about how entitled and lazy teenagers are. I've heard people stand up for them and say, actually, I know some really hardworking teens that are passionate about serving the Lord and serving their community. If someone starts talking about what an old ball and chain their wife is, ah, you know what I'm talking about, right, Jacob? <laughs> I've heard people say, actually, my wife's awesome. I love having her in my life. I've heard people gently rebuke someone for a racist or an insensitive comment and allow that person to explain or apologize for their comment. And then the relationship was made stronger by this interaction. Not too long ago, I was part of a group that brought together people from different socioeconomic backgrounds so that they could coach and learn from each other. And they taught us this helpful technique called ouch and oops. If someone says something that's offensive to you, you have the right to say, oh, you know what? That's an ouch. You may not realize it, but that term, that generalization that you made, just really hits me the wrong way. And it gives the person the chance who's the uh, person who said the comment the chance to say, oops, you know what, I, I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't trying to hurt you with what I said. It's a good technique. It works pretty well. I have to be honest at this point. With this particular point, I don't do very well. I tend to be an avoider. I don't like tense conversations. I tend to not speak up when there's an opportunity to correct a misunderstanding so that the kingdom can break through. That's an oops on my part. But I'm trying to be more like Jesus in this regard. Another thing that we see here is that Jesus does the work of God as he goes. In verses 4 and 5 he says, we must do the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 
Jesus communicates an urgency with the kingdom work that his followers are called to do, which includes acts of compassion and opening eyes so that people can see Jesus. Now, I realize I, I have never explained yet why I'm, why I'm walking or where I am. This is my daily commute. <laughs> this is the route that I take most days to get from the church building back home to my house. Uh, most days, this is what I do. And sometimes my commute is interrupted. I'm on my way to somewhere, but I'll run into somebody. One time I was on my bike and this guy flagged me down and told me this long story about how he got hit when he was riding his bike and I definitely should get a helmet cam so that I can protect myself. Okay, thanks, good advice. One time I was out behind Lowe's on my bike and I saw this guy who was grabbing his girlfriend's wrist and trying to force her into his truck. So I rode up and I was like, hey, what's going on here? I had to call the police in that situation. That was kind of an interesting morning. Why am I talking about all this? John tells us that Jesus' encounter with the blind man happened as he went along. This wasn't like going to the pool of Siloam where sick people were gathered. This was somebody that he happened upon while he was walking on his way to somewhere else. And Jesus was able to use their meeting as a teachable moment to do, let the kingdom break through and to do kingdom work. Jesus didn't avoid this man. He didn't reschedule him for later on in the week. He did the work that was available to him, the work that he was able to do. Kind of like Philip sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts, or the apostles sharing Jesus with their jailers. The work of the Lord often happens not in the church building or while we're on a mission trip, but it happens on the way and as you go along. Now, there's a couple ways that Christians can internalize this point. One way is to say, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll do God's work as I go along, you know, as it fits in with my schedule, or as long as it's not inconvenient to me. If it falls right in my lap or drags itself across my path, then yeah, I might do some kingdom work. That can be a very passive and self-centered way to live out your faith. But another way to think about kingdom work as you go along, which I think is more like what Jesus did, is that of a perpetual readiness. If your commute gets interrupted, or if you happen upon a person in need, or if you suddenly find yourself in a conversation with someone about God, and you don't have your sermon notes on hand, will you prepare, or are you prepared to share Jesus with someone? Are you willing to lend a hand? Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The last thing I want to point out in this encounter is that Jesus was hands-on. Jesus was willing to get his hands dirty in this situation, literally. I mean, he spits and makes mud and rubs it in the guy's face. Don't you guys just miss those old days before COVID-19 where you could spit on the ground anytime you want and smear mud on a stranger's face without having to wear a mask? Remember, in Jesus' time, it was unseemly for a rabbi, a teacher, to touch someone who was considered unclean. This man was blind, which meant that he was broken. And he was broken, as you recall, because he must have been a sinner. That's got to be the reason. This guy was off limits to anybody who would have been passing by. Jesus shouldn't have been talking to this guy, let alone touching him, but he does. I don't know that the application for us is that we should go rub dirt in people's eyes or even to make physical contact when it's unsafe to do so. I think maybe the application is doing some of the things that we would prefer not to do. 
to get hands-on with someone who's coming to know Jesus. Maybe not letting something's ickiness, oh, spit, mud, oh, blind sinner. Not letting those things get in the way of what we as Christians are called to do. Love and serve and bless and bring healing by the power of Jesus. So in this encounter, we see that Jesus corrects a misunderstanding. He does the work of the Lord and he does hands-on ministry all so that people's eyes can be opened to the kingdom work that Jesus was doing. The blind man's eyes were opened, but so were the eyes of the apostles. Maybe even the blind man's parents had their eyes opened in this encounter. Maybe even some of the Pharisees who went away. If we are followers and imitators of Jesus, we need to keep our eyes open for opportunities to minister to people as we go along. This photo was taken in the UK in May of 2017. It was a man who climbed over a railing and he was gonna jump over a bridge so he could end his life. And some people passing by saw him out there on the ledge and they grabbed onto him. They wouldn't let him go. They talked to him while they were grasping onto him. You can see in this picture, they even used ropes and straps to secure him to the bridge. And they held onto him for two hours while emergency services helped bring him down. What would it look like if Christians did the same thing? What if we treated kingdom work with this much urgency? What if we showed this much care and compassion for people that we encounter as we go along? What if we refused to let someone slip through the cracks and we committed our time to letting people know that they are important to God and they're important to us? What if we allowed ourselves to be interrupted and be inconvenienced by the needs of others? I think we see that happen sometimes, but it's all too short. Like Steve Martin's Disney clips. We get this glimpse, but then it shuts off way too soon and we go, oh man, it leaves us longing for more. So let's be the people of God who make those clips longer and more frequent. Let the work of Christ in our lives extend those glimpses of God's kingdom so that people who encounter us will experience the kingdom of God and long for it as well. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you open eyes. Thank you for the power of Jesus in this story. Thank you for the example that he sets. Thank you that we can look and ask ourselves, how can we be like him? How can we treat people the way that he treated people? Lord, as we go on our daily business, as we are on our commutes, let us be willing to stop, to pause, to look up and to look around and say, is there someone that I can help? Is there someone that I can bless? Is there someone who's in need? Can I share your truths with someone? Can I bring hope into someone's life? Lord, we ask that you give us these opportunities. Give us the words to say when they come up and give us the, the, the courage to look for them and to take them on. I thank you for this church and its desire to be like Jesus, to desire their desire to bring your kingdom coming in this world. Lord, we want to see that. We want to be more and more about doing your work, the work that you set us out to do. We love you, Lord. I thank you for this time together. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.